this week on the Backtable Podcast. And hindsight's obviously 2020. Um, and, uh, you know, there's so many things that I wish I had known, but in some ways I'm glad I didn't know because I had to learn it and I had to figure it out. And, and I definitely see like a lot of fear in, in new founders sometimes and, and paralysis if they know too much or if they think they have to know too much. So, so I do yeah. feel that almost being naive as I was uh, and still am you know, in a lot of ways is actually quite good because you just kind of jump in. I mean, maybe Backtable is a similar story, right? You just kind of like, you don't think about too much stuff at the start. You're just like, hey, let me make a podcast and let's see what comes of it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Backtable Podcast, your source for all things intervention and investor. You can find all previous episodes of our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and on backtable.com and pretty much any podcast platform out there. RadPad radiation protection products developed by physicians for physicians and clinically proven to protect during CINE and digital subtraction angiography. Don't bet your health on anything less. Trust RadPad protection for all your interventions. See radpad.com for more information and contact info at radpad.com to learn more about radiation safety CME credits for you and your team. This is Aaron Fritz as your host this week. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today, Dr. Sahil Mehta. Today, we are going to talk a bit about entrepreneurship and medicine, and I'm going to have uh, Sahil talk us through the story of his successful med prep company, medschoolcoach.com. Sahil was also on a recent episode that has not, well, I, at the time of this release, it'll probably be released with uh, uh, Elias Farah talking about getting into IR residency. So uh, welcome back, Sahil. Yeah, Aaron. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. Excited to be here again. Yeah. So you've given the intro before, but for those people who, who may not be familiar with you, just give us a little brief uh, where you're at and clinically as well. Yeah, so sure. So uh, quick intro. I'm uh, practicing up in Boston at Beth Israel, where I did my residency, did fellowship at MGH and came back here as staff. Been on staff now for almost six years and practiced you know, academic IR 100%. I love it every day of it. And on the side slash also full time, <laughs> uh, I run this company, Med School Coach, uh, which, which we're going to talk about today. Um, and that's a company that has sort of grown from just myself to now about 50 or 60 full time employees plus hundreds of contractors. So it's been kind of a fun, um, fun journey to grow that alongside. And as you said, we're, we're sort of a medical uh, preparation ed tech company um, that is really taken off in the last couple of years. Yeah, it's really exciting to see because, um, you know, last time I saw you in person, we were given a talk together at SIR, I think it was 2019. Yeah. It was Austin, right? It was Austin. And uh, we, you and I were kind of trading stories. I was telling you about Backtable when you told me about medschoolcoach.com. I remember, you know, you were, it was your, it's a very nonchalant response. You're like, yeah, it's, it's going pretty well. But then since then, in the last two years, it just exploded. And so it was really exciting to hear that. Uh, but before we jump into the story of medschoolcoach.com, I do want to talk a little about physician entrepreneurship, kind of examples of it. You know, I mean, you think about people going out there in solo practice, they're physician entrepreneurs, right? They're yeah. just, they're just in healthcare is all, you know, when we, when we talk about physician entrepreneurship, a lot of times we're thinking about people doing stuff a little bit outside of medicine itself. Uh, but you know, you think about people either in their solo practice or multi-physician, you know, practice device innovation. Um, those are all, you know, things that have been, people have been doing, doing for decades, uh, for, you know, since the history of medicine, starting their own business. But I, I wanted to ask you, have, have there been any influences or mentors that have made you like, you know, want to be uh, a physician entrepreneur in your 
you know, whether it be in your training or early career? Yeah. I mean, you know, honestly, I can't say that I can pinpoint any one particular person uh, who I can say, wow, that person like did, you know, ran a clinical practice and also ran a business um, completely, you know, on the side sort of thing. But I mean, just like you said, I, I think it goes back to physicians, particularly of yesteryear, you know, um, radiologists and others who are like running prior practices and imaging centers and those kind of things. I mean, that's, that's all physician entrepreneurship. And so my father, you know, was a solo practitioner for years and years and years and years in, in Brooklyn. And, you know, he ran his own gig, you know, and that whether it was like, you know, marketing for that or trying to get patients or more recently for like, you know, uh, radiology groups, you know, owning outpatient imaging centers and trying to monetize on that. I mean, there's, I think there's just ample examples of people as you go through where you, if you actually think about it, yeah, of course they're, you know, physician entrepreneurs at the end of the day. You know, I think there's a few people I've seen and met who left clinical medicine altogether and, and definitely, you know, done amazing things. And then there's a couple of people, uh, yourself included, you know, who are sort of still practicing and doing, doing awesome you know, entrepreneurship things, quote unquote, on the side. And, and that, you know, that's to me like that, that's the best of every world, right? Because I never wanted to leave clinical medicine, at least once I got into IR. When I was in diagnostic radiology, I probably wanted to leave. But once I got to IR, I was like, oh, I, I really love this. This is awesome. Yeah. Like, why, why do I want to leave this? Um, you know, I kind of want to keep doing this and, and do the other thing as well. And remind me, I think you said you're, you're still doing full-time IR as well as doing medschoolcoach.com. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm scaling back at the hospital. Um, yeah. so I, I'm not a full FTE. Um, and actually, you know, I'm sort of a little bit more part-time than that, but you know, I are basically no matter right. what you do, it's up here, right. <laughs> close to full-time. So, so I have been able to, um, you know, work with the leadership in my department and sort of scale back and, and be relatively part-time where that's like four fifths or, you know, coming up, uh, I'm going to kind of scale back even more as I sort of grew in early on in my career, I didn't, I really wanted to actually do as many cases as possible and get as yeah. good at IR as possible. And so it, I think it takes, you know, that two, three year, four year mark where you're like, okay, now I'm really comfortable doing absolutely anything. I'm really technically sound. I can do, I can take on any case clinically, you know, ready to go. So I can scale back a little bit more and say, you know, if I, if I don't do every procedure, that's totally fine. I can come back five years from now and I'd be, have no problem. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, my wife's in academics and I think about, you know, she's not that interested in research, but, you know, some of her partners, they scale back clinically to put more time into research. And it's, it's not different, that much different from that. Right. I mean, you just, you know, you make time for it in some way. You have yeah. to pie differently. Yeah. I mean, it, it is not much different than that. You're right. You, you just, you know, you take the clinical work and you, you start slicing it up and say, I'm either going to do research or I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. I think that the real difference does come in in sort of the support level and what, uh, what's out there, right? If, if I was publishing like crazy, um, I would have no doubt that my, you know, department would be fully supportive and ready That's to true. go, you know, or if I got a grant or something along, it's like very, you know, academics obviously has a very focused pathway. And so when you're, I think when you're doing something a little different, people are maybe at first apprehensive, but if you can prove to them that, you know, you still, that it's valuable and yeah. you desire to still be clinically practicing, uh, I think you can make it work. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to touch real quick on, you know, passion projects and side hustles and how, you know, they can be different, but they can be the same, but, you know, we are seeing more people 
participating or, you know, doing these sort of passion projects. And, and I think that it, in my case, it definitely helped prevent burnout, but it, can you touch on that on like, you know, burnout and passion projects and the importance of them? Yeah. I mean, I think this is the, perhaps the best thing about owning a business and running a business is that when I'm in the hospital and in my IR world, I'm not necessarily like, I don't have the same pressures that, that others may when it comes to producing, you know, either academically or financially, because I have something else that, you know, sort of does that for me or that I rely on or that where my brain power goes. And so when I'm, when I'm actually in the hospital, like I'm focused on clinical care and, you know, at the end of the day, we all went into medicine uh, to focus on clinical care, yet we all know that that's not what happens on an everyday basis, right? I mean, we're doing paperwork, we're doing this, we're doing that, dictations, notes, whatever it might be. And for me, the cool thing is that I feel like I can go into the hospital and, you know, really just focus on on that patient and clinical care because I'm not necessarily bogged down by some of the ancillary stuff and not always worried about sort of the bottom line and RVUs and those kind of things. Now, not to say that, you know, you can't do both. Obviously you can, but I, I think that's why passion projects are so important because if you have something else where you're putting your time, putting your effort, you're putting your energy, I think you can go back to medicine and really enjoy it a lot more, actually, rather than less, right? Because you're like, yeah, you know, like I'm just using my my brain power for something else. And when I'm in the hospital, like I'm really, again, focused on on that patient in front of me rather than the zillion other things. Yeah. And I, I'm sure you feel this way too, but there's certain aspects of Backtable that I can bring to clinical practice and, you know, a lot of the ideas for Backtable come from my clinical practice. And so there's this like, it, it, I think that you're right. It gives you energy, um, positive energy to go, you know, kind of back and forth with, with the two, the two aspects of your career. Um, I'm sure that you probably feel the same with midschoolcoach.com, especially when you're working with trainees all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the crosstalk, uh, between the two is, is so powerful. Um, I mean, as you said, like, you know, you get ideas for back table when you do a procedure or, you know, as your clinical practice grows or you see something or you want to do something, you probably get somebody to talk about it. Right. Right. Um, yeah. you know, similarly with med school coach, like I was able, like one of the things I learned early on is really how to do marketing really well and became like a kick-ass, you know, marketer essentially. And I, and I took that to, the leadership at, at BI. And I said, well, listen, we've been trying to scale like a, and grow a PAE practice forever. Right. I mean, there's so many things in IR, but I think PAE is like one of these things. UFI is one of these things, right? These practices where some marketing really makes a huge impact. And we know that these procedures are great. We know that they have clinical success, yet we also know that we're struggling in some ways to get all the patients that we could, because we just don't have access to them. So I, I took some ideas to them and, you know, they, to their credit, they're like, yeah, let's, let's try it. And that's actually, you know, been able to scale my own practice in, in, in prostate, like incredibly, like I've done hundreds of them over the last two years. Whereas before the institution was literally doing zero because we were working directly and trying to, you know, trying to make those inroads with urologists, which are still extremely important, uh, and ways to grow it. But there was another way here that I was able to take from med school coach and say, Hey, we can go direct to the consumer and, and talk to them about these advantages. Um, and so I, I think you can, you know, any skills that you learn, obviously outside can be applied inside and vice versa, being in control of an angio table and, you know, taking care of situations when somebody's coding on the coding in your room or whatever else, you know, those are leadership skills, right. At the end of the day, which you could take back to 
your own business or anything else that you're, you're trying to do. Yeah, I think those are some great points because there's definitely collateral benefits that you get, even if your business fails, right? You oh, yeah. have these things that, like you said, you're taking away marketing pearls, things that actually worked uh, for midschoolcoach.com or Backtable, can, uh, you can actually apply them in your, in your practice that it's not, it's not directly clinically related. So I think those are, those are great tips for anybody who's thinking about, I mean, it's not just about financial gain or, you know, there's a lot of things that you can, that you learn about that you can take uh, back to your, to your career as well. So, um, well, tell us a little bit about the origin story of medschoolcoach.com, where the idea came from, what was your vision? Um, yeah. So, I mean, one of the funny things is as, as I reflect back on the whole story, right? When I started this thing, there wasn't a lot of vision <laughs> behind it, it. In all honesty, it was it was something I started in med school and said, "Hey, you know, I, I was really successful in the med school process. I could help some others uh, do the same thing." And you know, friends uh, friends were coming to me and saying, "Hey, can you edit my essay or can you help me figure out which schools to apply to?" And this was about uh, probably nearly 12, 15 years ago at this point. And I said, "Sure, let me let me try that. I can help you with that." And so I was doing those kind of things, and then uh, you know. I'll give you the real story. I was I was at Sloan Kettering. I was doing research over M1 year and I was bored out of my mind doing research. And I said, hey, you know, I know, I know how to put together a website. Maybe I should try something and throw something online and let's see if I can get a little beer money. And, that's, yeah. and uh, I remember showing it to my parents and they're like, wow, this is really cool. You're going to make $10,000. And I laughed at them. I said, there's no way in hell I will ever make $10,000 off of this thing. That's great. And, you know, and fast forward, obviously, 15 years later, and we're, we're doing phenomenal. So, so it, you know, there was not a, I, I got to be honest, like when I started, there was just a, hey, I am was good at this. I knew how to sell myself. Maybe I can help some others do the same thing and avoid the trap. We all know how competitive med school is to get into and avoid the traps that, um, you know, others fall into. And so it started as that. And there were definitely bumps along the way. You know, actually, I shut it down after having a little bit of traction within a couple of months because my medical school basically came to me and said, we don't think you should be doing this. Oh. And that was actually, you know, that was, that was one of my first understandings of kind of maybe the, the old school approach to medicine was very much like medicine, medicine, medicine. Like you don't do anything else, right? Like yeah, 90 hours a week, this is what you should do. This is hundred percent what your focus should be on. And, you know, as we've talked about, that's not necessarily true. Even the guys you know, old school guys were running their own practice. They were, you know, building and doing solo practices or whatever else they were doing, but doing something completely different was not really well established. I think See, at that point. Yeah. And it, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. I said, okay, fine. I'm going to shut it down because I thought medicine was the only thing that I was going to do. And then actually years later, I kind of re rekindled my interest in it. And I said, let me start it back up. And that was when I was kind of graduating school. So there was a hiatus for a while, even though we were sort of growing. I said, okay, I'm just going to shut it down. Yeah. And then it really wasn't until about three years ago that I really started saying, wow, there's really something here. Let me, let me put some real effort back into this. Let me put some time back into this. Let me put some money back into this and see where it can really go. And that's where we've really been able to explode. Okay. And wait, was this your first business venture? Would you say? I would say that as a kid, I was always doing things uh, like I was the yeah. guy who was going around fixing computers or shoveling the driveways or uh, I ran a tutoring gig, you know, when I was in high school and collected money. So I was always doing stuff like that. It was my first I, maybe official business venture. And even that, like it wasn't official for a while. Like I, when I started this thing, I didn't know what it meant to be a business. Right. I was just like, hey, pay me on yeah. PayPal and I'll 
I'll help you right, do this right. thing. Um, you know, what what the hell did I, I didn't know what a Schedule C was. I didn't know what a 1099 was. I didn't know what an LLC versus an S-Core versus a C-Core. Like, I didn't know any of that stuff when I started it. It's only, you know, these are things that you learn along the way. So when I started, it very much was a very little side hustle. And I yeah. had to learn all the stuff along the way. So when did you actually purchase the website MedSchoolCoach.com? That was the first thing I did. So, so First thing. So okay. I... So that was when you first started in med yeah, school. That was okay. when I started. It was between, you know, first summer of med school, I purchased it. And, you know, I, I've been super lucky. I, I tell the story. It's the, it's the only time med school coach has been in the red. You know, I paid about, I paid about <laughs> 80 bucks for the domain name and a year of hosting. And yeah. since then we, we've been doing great. Yeah, that's awesome. And then, um, so when you talk about you know, the business itself, when did you form the LLC or did you, where did you form at the you OC know, or S core? How, what, what, how'd you start? Yeah. So it started out as an LLC, you know, for, for those not familiar LLC, sort of like the very simple thing to start out as, you know, has a lot of benefits of complete flexibility and, and the ability to kind of do whatever you want with it. So, so made the LLC maybe, uh, I want to say like 10 years ago or so. And, you know, even then I didn't put much thought into LLC versus S-Core versus C-Core at that point, because this was never a venture-backed business, right? Um, for those of you yeah. are familiar, you know, when you, when you have a venture-backed business, you're typically like a C-Core for tax reasons and all kinds of other reasons. But, you know, this was just something that I, I put together as an LLC and said, hey, let's, uh, let's try it. Um, mostly at the behest of my, you know, accountant who was like, you need to start reporting this stuff. And I said, oh, okay, <laughs> interesting. How, like, how hard would you say it was to form a company, to form the LLC? Like, it, it wasn't hard then. And now it's like super, like you could do it in easy. three minutes, right. right? You go on LegalZoom or any of these sites and, you know, two minutes later, we have an LLC. So, so that right. part's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty straightforward. Um, and you said that you never, you never got like venture funding or anything like that. Did you have seed money from friends and family or was it all just your own profits put back into the company? Yeah, it was, it was profits put back in. Um, so, so I never, I never took seed money, never took, uh, never even thought about taking seed money, honestly, like that wasn't a right. thing. Uh, in the past couple of years, we've been approached a lot by investors and, and firms to put money in. But even, even at this point, you know, as we're much larger, I've sort of hesitated myself to take money um, for a number of reasons. And I mean, that it's a, it's an interesting battle that I think a lot of entrepreneurs face. It's like, should you take money? Should you not take money? What does it mean to have investors? You know, what does it mean to have growth capital versus venture capital? And how is that going to impact how you scale your own business? So at this point, we've been able to self-fund everything, which is great. It doesn't mean down the ride. Yeah. We may not. Um, but the beauty about self-funding is obviously you have full control. Right. You don't answer to anybody. And I've heard horror stories and I've seen horror stories actually even within our own sort of med prep industry of um, companies selling out to private equity and, you know, five months later, basically 97% of the company has turned over because of what they've had to do. So we've seen that in medicine yeah, too. Yeah, for sure. Too, in a larger scale, yeah. you know. Well, so at what point you, you said that like at first it was kind of willy nilly, you're just kind of, you know, throwing money in your pocket, but at what point did you actually map out a business plan? So I'd say that, you know, when I, when I finally had time back to myself, which was when, you know, I kind of graduated fellowship, I started looking and saying, okay, you know, is it time to start reinvesting a little bit of this back into, or, or a lot more of this back into the business, right? Is it time to hire my first employee, <laughs> you know, which, which only happened yeah. about four or five years ago. Uh, um, and so 
I hired um, really my first people at that time. And that is when I started really hunkering down and saying, okay, like, how are these, you know, first of all, where's our bottom line? Where, where are funds being used? Like, where can we save money? Where can we invest money? Where should we put stuff back into? And even, even today, you know, I, I just actually had a meeting with our CFO a couple of weeks, a couple of days ago, and we were talking about plans and, and how to, you know, how to reinvest the money and what to, what to put it in. How do we grow? How do we get to the next stage? Um, so I think the business plan idea is always a continual, continual yeah. process. Always tinkering with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And on that note, so let's talk about scaling up. Can you just tell for our audience who aren't really, you know, maybe familiar with it? I mean, most people could kind of figure what scaling up is, but just tell, tell, tell everybody what it typically means for a company to scale up and like kind of what are the main obstacles and how did you approach it for medschoolcoach.com? Yeah. So I think, you know, scaling up is always probably the hardest and scariest thing, right? Even hiring that first person is, is super scary. Now it's a little easier today, honestly. And, and the part of the reason is that there's so many freelancers out there. And so you might not be hiring them as a W2 employee, but maybe you're hiring them as a 1099 contractor, but they're very good. And you, there's marketplaces for this, like Upwork and those kind of things where you can find fantastic people. That said, you know, sort of hiring that first person who I was like, hey, let's, let's grow this business together was, was a difficult, difficult decision. And even then, uh, the business was profitable and I had actually been approached by a couple of investors at that point to say, hey, why don't you just sell the business to us and we'll run it for you. And I really thought about that because I was like, yeah, you know, my, my life should be as a physician. Like, do I really want to be doing this? And I actually decided against it because I thought there was potential and, and boy, am I glad I did because sort of, yeah. uh, the pathways would have been way different than they are. But yeah, I mean, listen, there, there's nothing but obstacles as you scale, you know, right. like finding the right people. How do you, how do you know you're hiring the right guy? Right. Like, how do you, how do you make sure that you're not giving up too much or how do you make sure that you um, are giving them enough? Right. I mean, even like those simple, basic questions um, are, are difficult as you, as you go through this. And then, you know, I think as you scale up, you start to realize a whole bunch of new set of problems, right? It's like, okay, I hired my first employee. Who's my payroll company going to be? Hey, how do I have to register right. for, you know, being a corporation in this state and that state? Because now I have a company in another state, right? It's not, you know, not easy uh, to do that without, I would say, devoting and dedicating some time to it. And, and that's, you yeah. know, I mean, that's, that's the hard part. <laughs> Having the time. Um, does, does med school coach, you kind of alluded to it earlier, but, um, do you guys have, how is the market share? Like in terms of com competition, is it a very competitive field or is it kind of like you guys are a few, you know, just a few companies out there? What, how, how, what's the temperature? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny. Cause in the, in the, you know, 15 years or so I've been doing this, I've seen a lot of companies try to imitate, uh, which is a good thing, right? If you're, if they're trying to imitate, that means you're doing something Right. <laughs> At the end of the yeah. day, because it's a business other people want to be in. I've seen so many companies come and go, you know, as yeah. we started this process, it was a, it was a pretty simple one-to-one -one consulting sort of model. Um, now, since then, we've really diversified and done a whole lot more, but when we started, it was simply one-to-one -one and, you know, you'd pair a physician with, uh, with a student. That's pretty easy to replicate. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that we did was really do a lot to make it so that our process is unreplicable, right? So we have a 
you know, crazy, awesome marketing engine. We give away so much of our material for free. We have this amazing MCAT course. Literally, we give away for free right now. Um, and all those things have helped us really diversify how we get students, what we do, the products and services that we have so that we can't just be, you know, outspent by the next guy or a, a random, right. you know, mom and pop comes through and says they can do the same thing. No, they really can't. They could try, but they, but they can't. But there's, you know, there's the, the traditional, there's definitely still competition and tons of it from traditional players like the Kaplan and Princeton Review um, and right. more sort of, you know, uh, niche startups like ourselves. And then there's the people who just put up a website and, and try to do it as well. So it's across the board. Yeah. Right. Just use Google AdWords. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean that it's, I'm, I'm sure there's a, it, you know, probably most of it is just marketing, you know, and, uh, being savvy at marketing, like you said. And so in, in addition to like your standard marketing strategies, do you guys use social media a lot to have capture new, new students? Yeah. I mean, so I will say marketing is obviously a, a big portion of it, but yeah. you can market the hell out of anything. If it's not a good product, nobody's going to care. Right. I mean, right. you can market the hell out of the back table. The listen to the way, the reason that people listen to it is because they enjoy it and it's good and they, you know, they, they get something out of it. And so at the right. end of the day, while we, you know, we fueled ourselves on growth for years without actually spending anything on Google AdWords, without actually really spending a whole lot on any marketing, it was more, it was more word of mouth. It was more really like students passing along to other students. Hey, this was really great. And so that was our, that was our starting point. And actually, I remember every year I would literally turn off the Google AdWords because I was like, we're getting yeah. too busy. And that was one of the things right. that you know, as we were scaling, um, I never wanted to scale too fast before we could handle it. And so we were, but often just say, that's it. We're done. We're essentially done for the year. We can't handle any more students because we didn't have the right people to, to pair them with. And the worst thing that we could have done was kind of continue to take on students just for profit. I mean, that would have been terrible. Yeah. Right. The quality goes down and then, yeah, you're going to end up losing the long run. I think, I think word of mouth, I think is the most like you said, sustainable way to grow, even though it, it'll be slower, um, but it's sustainable and you're going to build your loyal, you know, uh, uh, customers that way. And because they're, they're, the, like you said, they're there for the quality, the high quality, and they're going to pass that word on to their peers. Hey, I use medschoolcoach.com. I got into the med school of my choice. You guys need to use them. Yeah. Princeton review has been around forever, but like, trust me, you got to go with this, you know, this direction. And I think that that says a lot more than just them. It's a pop-up on their browser. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta build a lot of brand trust, um, through, yeah. you know, word of mouth through not just to, you know, hammering them over the head and saying, Hey, sign up for this, but saying, Hey, we have great resources. Don't even worry about signing up for it. Like check out any of these thousands of resources that we have, whether they're videos or tools or calculators or mobile apps, um, and then, you know, build a trust with them. And eventually when they turn to and say, wow, I, you know, I'm struggling on the MCAT, who am I going to go to? Well, I'm not going to go to, you know, Princeton who creates reviews, who's just been badgering me over the head with ads. Uh, I'm going to go to these right. guys who are actually, you know, have given me a lot of value. Yeah, for sure. And um, so give us a breakdown of like where medschoolcoach.com is today. You know, what you kind of have touched on some of the services and products you provide. Um, but just give us a little bit more, you know, if you could give it kind of like a thousand foot view, um, you know, for somebody who's not familiar with it and actually might even be interested in, in what you guys have to offer. 
Yeah. So basically we are a medical preparation company, an ed tech company that really starts students along their pathway to get into medicine, whether that's a high school student, all the way to, you know, people who are applying to residency or taking the board exams. And we kind of feel like we, we hit on every aspect throughout the entire process, right? So early on at their high school student, we can mentor them. We can give them products like our e-shadowing where they can actually like explore medicine and learn more about it. Um, and then we go all the way, obviously, to the MCAT prep. We do a lot of MCAT preparation. We have this great course and mobile app, as I've been talking about. Admissions consulting is what we started with, right? Helping that student actually put yeah. together a great essay or uh, put together a great application interview well. Then we do boards preparation. Even in between, we're doing things like clinical experiences and clinical trips. So we're taking students on trips to international locations now and actually, wow. you know, get, letting them gain clinical experience that they that they don't have. All the things that students need today to get into medicine. And, you know, medicine's become more and more competitive um, over the last couple of years, and it will continue to do so. So Med School Coach really is able to provide a student who's interested in coming to medical school becoming a physician, I should say, um, help along that entire journey from start to finish. Okay, cool. How do you guys come up with new products? Do you do surveys from existing students or, or, or do you get feedback from, you know, successful people, uh, you know, students have gone through the process? Like, how do you come up with these new ideas, like taking people to new, you know, other countries? Yeah. I mean, you know, the great thing about med school coach has been that I've had sort of domain expertise in this, right? Because I went through the damn thing right. myself. Um, and so, yeah, that's, so true, yeah. that's actually, you know, it is actually big because so many times people are like, oh, why don't you just start law school coach? Why don't you just start, you know, dental school coach or whatever else? And I was always like, I know nothing about that. I know absolutely nothing about that. So, so I would have to go back and do, you know, consumer surveys and figure out what the, you know, what people want and how to even right. do it. Um, it, not to say it's not maybe in our future, but right now we are really focused on medicine. And so because of that, you know, obviously I have a lot of experience and now we, we have the staff of around 300 physician advisors across the country and med students across the country. And so we, we use them and our past students to say, hey, you know, like we take a pulse and, and we figure out what's out there and what students need in order to succeed in the process. How many physicians do you guys have on, on staff that help out? We have about 300 or so uh, oh, physicians. Wow physician advisors, wow, writing. Amazing. Uh, the physician component of that is maybe a little smaller, but we have basically a staff of around 300 physician advisors, writing advisors, uh, tutors who are typically residents and even MCAT tutors who might be even younger than that, like med students because they're closer to the test. And then we have about 50 right. uh, full-time employees on top of that. Wow. And so just for example, you know, cause you obviously need the, the expertise within the field. How do you find those advisors? Is it also word of mouth? Yeah. So it's a lot of word of mouth. And, you know, it's funny. We, we started off hiring my friends. <laughs> That's how I started. Yeah. Right. And I hired a couple of employees who were like, hey, you want to do this? Like you got into med school too. Let's do this. And, and that slowly snowballed uh, into more and more people. And, you know, now we get this, this awesome stream of people. Um, who say, hey, I, you know, I really want to give back. Uh, and, you know, maybe there's some listeners out there who are kind of in the same 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 ball game. You know, they've had admissions community experience or they really, you know, had a unique journey or maybe they even did it. They just like mentoring students and they come to us and say, 
hey, we want to uh, we want to be a part of this. And we're very selective in the process. We probably only take about one of like 40 or 50 people who who apply for our positions. Um, but they're a spectrum now. We have a lot of like retired physicians, actually, who used to be you know either in ad comms or are winding down their clinical practice and say, I still want to kind of do something, but I'm not in the hospital every day. So we have a huge swath of those. We have a lot of people who are in slightly more flexible specialties like emergency medicine or Durham who are maybe working part-time and say, yeah, I want to, I'm, yeah, I want to mentor people. This is what I like to do. And so they do it because they, they enjoy it. Yeah. 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 That, that's very cool. It, it just reminds me of, you know, the beginnings of Backtable where like, yeah, I just asking my buddies yeah. to come on and, and be hosts. And, you know, and that's how, you know, it, you create kind of your company culture. And it's like, these are the people that I like to spend my time with, you know, and, and it works out well, usually. Um, and, but also it's challenging because, you know, and you know, this, we recently branched outside of vascular and intervention radiology where we're trying to cover topics in ENT and urology. And, and those are also, uh, you know, friends and close colleagues that are, that run those shows as hosts, but it's also, it is challenging to kind of figure out okay, even in a different specialty, what, what those docs are looking yeah. for in content, you know? Um, and it's, it, but it's also fun. It's, it's all, it's all a process. If it was easy, then everybody'd be doing That's it, right. you know, but, uh, but it, these are the kind of fun challenges to come across, but along the, along, along those lines, like, how does it, you know, what's, what's a win? I know you probably say I, I've already won and, and I would agree, but how does it end? Like, what is there, is there an end or do you just see this kind of, you know, you cross, you know, passing the torch on to, to somebody else eventually and kind of watching it continue to grow. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I think our, our mission at Med School Coach is really to give out as much information as we can to empower the next generation of physicians. Right. And so, yeah, you know, we're, we're seeing that mission play out uh, across the board in, in our, not just our paid products, but a lot of our unpaid products, like we're hitting so many minority groups that otherwise may not have access to, to MCAT preparation material. We're like really making a huge impact in the, in the shift that we're hopeful that, you know, medicine is going to go through to, to get people who are more diverse, you know, more able to connect with patients across the spectrum. And so until, you know, until yeah. some of those challenges are, are really met, I would say that my job a med school coach is not really done quite yet. And Again, it's, it's sort of fun, you know, on the side. So, yeah. so I don't really have, uh, and never had really thought about a quote unquote exit plan, which some people should, right. And some people do. And, and I think it's, right. I think it's totally reasonable to, particularly if you're, I mean, I think you have to do this, obviously, if you're going to go get money, right. If you're going to go get seed money, if you're going to go get investor money, like you got to figure out what that plan and that path is to monetization, to an exit, to at least paying back your investors. Yeah, I was lucky. I didn't. I didn't have that pressure, and so, in in a lot of ways, the plan is ever evolving. And you know, right, right now, everything is everything's still fun. I mean, the thing that's not fun is a little bit of the time commitment on all sides. But you know, that's um, that's part of the growing process for myself as well to be able to um, think about where to scale back and better utilize my time. Or you know, if I don't scale back in the clinical world, make sure that I hire the right people to move things forward. Yeah. You know, I mean, just recently we hired a whole product team. I didn't, I was doing that previously and, and realized that number yeah. one, I wasn't good at it. Um, or certainly wasn't as good as I should be at it. Yeah. Again, number two, there's a whole lot better people to, to do that. And we've actually been able to go a whole lot faster because of that. So, so I think 
finding the right people is, is, you know, a huge part of the process. Oh, for sure. And, and I'll probably put this in earlier when we were talking about, you know, how important the team was, but you know, where, where are you guys for, like, for, for example, we're trying to build a sales team. Where do you find these people? Because they got to have some knowledge of, of medicine. I, you know, they can't just be your run of the mill insurance salesperson, right? I mean, it could be because maybe they're really good at sales and they really like enjoying sell, selling things, but how do you find these people? So I'll tell you, my very first salesperson was somebody I found quite literally just on the internet and I posted some job and I was like, Hey, I need a salesperson. And you know, she responded and I said, she was, she was actually in the, um, uh, she was a drug rep for a while. And so she had a little bit of an idea of what medicine was about. And so I trained her a little bit and you know, she, she ended up being great. You know, she left a few years later and this was in the middle of sort of our scaling. And since then, actually, I, you know, I, we've been able to find incredible people who have no idea about anything in medicine, right? Like they don't even have the yeah. slightest clue other than, oh, I go to my doctor. It's funny because you, you, you know, of the like 50 or so people that we have full time, almost all of them are not physicians. And so they're learning this right. whole thing like, wow, it's really that hard to get into med school or, you know, what the difference between, you know, physicians is or that they always tell me they go back and look at now, you know, what school their doctor went to. And they're like, wow, that, you know, that was really hard to get into. This guy's good. Or yeah, obviously that's not a good way to judge yeah. a doctor, but um, right. we all know, but you know, these are the kind of things that stories we get. But to go back to like the sales team building, we've actually been able to build an incredible sales team uh, with the help of my COO who, who really has been instrumental in the recruitment of a lot of these, a lot of my team members, he actually literally built the entire sales team based upon his individual interactions. And so he would go to Lifetime Fitness and he would interact with people and he would keep them on the back of their head, back of his head. And he would say, that person was a great salesperson. And now we have six yeah. salespeople from Lifetime Fitness. It's crazy, but they all came from Lifetime Fitness, you know, because it was, it was literally like he would say, that person is really good at their job, right? And, you know, right. the person who's selling the membership of Lifetime Fitness didn't know anything about fitness or didn't right. know they had gyms. Right. So we train them in medicine, right? We train them up in medicine yeah. and, and they're fantastic. Actually, they're more knowledgeable than probably 99% of physicians about the admissions process at this point. And so, so they, you know, we can, you could train anybody to, I think, uh, understand the process and be good at it. And of course they bring their own perspectives and spectrum and ideas to the table as well. Um, so I think you just like, you know, knowing people in life and interacting with them, you can often find like who that next person is or who that person who's going to be really good is. But if they're good people, people, then they're going to be an excellent salesperson, right? Uh, regardless yeah. of what they sell, right? I mean, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. They, they can, they can learn and and become what they need to be. Yeah. Well, that's solid advice for me. It actually helps me feel a lot better about like opening up, broadening my horizons in terms of trying to fight, find the right first salesperson, yeah. you know? But uh, yeah, because I mean, really, that's what I'm trying to do. And, you know, it's telling you about scaling up. It's just taking a lot of this stuff off of my plate, off of the plate of my co-founder so that it's, it's a machine that runs on its own. We don't have to be there in the shop every day, you know, making sure everybody's doing their thing. And Luckily, we found great people. And a lot of them are med students or pre-med students are very motivated. I got to say one thing about some of these kids, they're so motivated and it's, it's amazing. Like, you're like, wow, I, you know, you could be running back table someday because you're so into this and I, and you love it. You love that. Like they're really into the platform and I just want to find more people like that, you know? 
Yeah. I mean, it, med students and pre-meds are fantastic. Uh, the problem is that they're transient and, and yes, you right. know, they're not right. So you gotta, yeah. you gotta build a deep yeah. patch basically. Yeah. Right? And at, at, you know, I, I, this past year I hired, um, two people who were in gap years between, uh, college and, and med school. And they were both like kick-ass, like they were so good. Um, uh, and I hired another guy who was an M4 fantastic. Right. And, and has done so much for our org in terms of creating content, in terms of like improving our social media and everything else yet at the, but at the end of the day, like, you know, they're, they're not, they yeah, they leave and, yeah. and they're not necessarily the people who are going to go, um, you know, go pitch to uh, Boston scientific to come on the, you know, to come on as a sponsor. So, so I think you need like a, a slightly different skill set uh, for some of that stuff, but I, I think you could find that without thinking through exactly, um, without having to be in medicine. Right. Right. I agree. I agree. Um, all right. Well, so let's start, start wrapping things up. Just one more thing. Um, is there, before we finish, like, is there anything that you wish you had known about starting a company, um, or any last comments or advice for listeners who are interested in either starting a business or scaling up their startup? Yeah, so much. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, you know, in hindsight, it's obviously 2020. Um, and, you know, there's so many things that I wish I had known, but in some ways I'm glad I didn't know because I had to learn it and I had to figure it out. And and I definitely see like a lot of fear in in new founders sometimes and, and paralysis if they know too much or if they think they have to know too much, right? Um, I talked to a group of, a group of med students who's doing, who were doing uh, this app based on, it was like recording your cases in the OR kind of thing. And I almost, their story was very similar to others in that they were almost trying to do too much at the, at the onset, right? They were trying to put together this business plan, this exit plan, uh, the number of users they need and everything else. And they kind of had nothing to show for it other than these hypotheticals because they were, they were just like paralyzed by the fear of like actually making the product or trying it and going for it. So, so I do yeah. feel that almost being naive as I was uh, and still am you know, in a lot of ways is actually quite good because you just kind of jump in. I mean, maybe Backtable is a similar story, right? You just kind of like, you don't think about too much stuff at the start. You're just like, hey, let me make a podcast and let's see what comes of it. Right, right. Yeah, and it, it, that's, I think that's great advice because, you know, you hear people, you know, talk about others people other people's failures and they're like oh well they had no they had no idea what they were doing that's why they didn't succeed and then but you talk to successful people like yourself and you're like well i think i was successful because i didn't know what i was doing and i kind of like i said i figured it out and you're right it's you get that analysis paralysis where if you know too much or this it's information overload you oftentimes just get scared into doing nothing you know you buy all these business books and you're like, oh, I got to read these books before I even start my LLC. That's BS. Like, just start it and start doing it, you know? Right. Just, uh, I mean, sometimes uh, just going for it, you know, it's better. Yeah. And, right. you know, the reality is that, listen, med school coach is never going to be a billion dollar company. And that's fine by me. You know, that's, that's not what I'm after. But I think there are a lot of people who are after that. And, and, yeah. and you know, that does require some planning and some understanding. But it's not all about just raising money and you know, saying you raise money because honestly, money is cheap right now and people will throw money at you, even though you have no product and no idea what the hell you're doing. Yeah. Like creating a sustainable business, I think is a, is a different sort of challenge. Regardless, I mean, for the listener, you know, I think 
none of us should be scared, right? It's particularly as physicians, particularly as IRs, you know, I think we should all, I think we all have what it takes to start something, try something, do something, whether it be a device, whether it be a side hustle, whether it be, you know, uh, a huge venture backed business, like there's just trying it and, and diving forward in it, I think is, is a huge, huge, um, I think you'll never regret it. Let me put it that way. Hey, I don't, I don't think you'll ever regret trying something, but you'll certainly regret not trying it. Right. I mean, it's the old saying of like, something about like, you know, you, you regret all the chances you don't take or uh, whatever it might be. But, you know, it, you miss 100% of the shots. Exactly. Take. Gretzky. Exactly. So, so I think, wow. you know, I think you, it is fun to try and it's fun to do stuff. And what's, what's really awesome is that as physicians, we're just, and as IRs, we have some flexibility in being able to do stuff. We have certainly knowledge. You just have to find, find something that you like, passionate about and, and go for it. Well, I think that's a great way to end it. Sahil, really appreciate you coming on and, and talking through this. I, I learned a lot and um, it's great to see your success with MedSchoolCoach.com. Really excited to see, um, you know, what you guys got lined up in the future. Uh, looking forward to ways that uh, Backtable can also collaborate with you guys. I'm looking forward to the uh, talk with, that you and I are going to be on along with Rami Webby. Yeah, right? another uh, physician entrepreneur. Uh, yeah, I think it'll be an awesome roundtable discussion between a couple of us who've who've done you know small ventures, uh, big ventures, whatever they whatever they are, anything in between. And the link the link to that's can is going to be on medschoolcoach.com yeah. too, right? And we'll include it. Let's see if we can include it in our show notes as well. All right. Well, thank you again, Sile. Looking forward to it. Yeah, awesome. Great talking to you. Um, I mean, good luck to anybody who wants to start something. Happy to always chat with people as well as I'm sure you are as. Uh, Aaron too, for, for those who are looking to try to get something up and running. For sure. Yeah. But, uh, the well said, because that is kind of the point of us, uh, having this talk is to help inspire others who are, might be a little scared to take the leap. Um, you know, we, we, we've been there and, and we know what it's like, but I, I'd say, just do it. That's, that's what Rusty Hoffman <laughs> says too. Just do it, dude. Just yeah. do it. <laughs> so, all right. Well, thanks. All right. Thanks, Aaron.